Ladies and gentlemen, the recipients of the National Jefferson Award and the number one New York Times best-selling author, your host, Dave Pelzer. Hello, America and world at large. This is your host, Dave Pelzer. As always, speaking to you in my own voice, attempting to try to save America and the world at large from itself, starting with me. And as always, I just wanted to take a, a moment to thank you. This is very heartfelt for me. I, I love doing the show, and I love that hopefully it can make a difference. Because I know how busy everybody is, and there's so much coming at us in every direction. And for you to take the time to maybe settle down for a little bit, take a nice stroll, have a cup of coffee, you know, and, and just listen with your heart. It, it means the world to me. And this is why I desperately try to do a good show of common sense. And if you're new to the show, I always say, give us a couple tries. Obviously, I, I am not the best host. I am not perfect in any way. I stumble and fumble. But I really believe in my heart that is a show, every show can have you look at things differently. And it's my honor to be of service. I am so grateful. Well, the first question, the most important question we ask is, how are you? How are you doing today on the first, <laughs> first day of school? Oh, my God, getting those kids going. I, I just remember when I was young, we, we didn't start school till, uh the day after Labor Day. The first, uh, I think, the, the first or second Tuesday of September. And, 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 and I, I tell you, the older I get, the summer just flew by. I just can't believe how, how fast life goes. And yet, if you're going through something, just remember it's only for the now. That you can and you will get through it. If you listen to the show a few times, you know that you're a smart person, you're a person who cares, a person that wants to make a difference, who leans forward in the, a, a little bit to help others along the way. So I always say this and all that you do, please, the most important thing you can do is to take care of you. All right. First off, let's get to the show. And first off, uh, I apologize. I try to do a show every three to four weeks. But I've been very, very busy. And uh, part of it was we uh, had a family get-together. My grandson, SJ, turned four. So the family came up and they were there. It, it is amazing, by the way, how... how uh, as a family, oh, we're going to plan this for this day. We'll do this at this time. And yes, w the thing is when you have a, a child, they run the table. They tell you when they are ready to go or change their mind and something always comes up. But it was such a pleasure for me to cook for the family. I can, you know, engage more and play with my little grandson and, 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 and just the small little things that we kind of do, like a walk in the park or going to the Armstrong Woods, which is uh, the in the California. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of our state parks. It has like the tallest, one of the tallest redwood trees in the state, which is just amazing. And to see the wonderment of a child is just amazing to me. And I, I should buy stock in Nextplay, the, the digital films, because I take a 1,000 photos of my grandson, then download those 1,000 photos into the digital frame. It's just crazy. I'll, I'll take a photo, and it's on the digital frame in five seconds, and I'm just looking at the digital frame. But it really is 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 such an honor for me to kind of slow down 
and just kind of coast a little bit and live life. As there's life, there's always something that's going on. And and I, I took a lot of notes for this show. I, it's it's Oakland, California. Something is always happening in Oakland, California. Every day there's a shooting. There's a fire. There's a carjacking. In, in Oakland, California, there is a Walgreens that has to basically be locked up. So if you want a certain item, you have to go to the cashier or to one of the staff members, and basically they're going to walk you around and they're going to open this up, unlock it, close it, blah, blah, blah. And I don't think that's going to work. Walgreens, I think, is eventually going to pull out because there's a lot of prominent businesses that pulled out of San Francisco in, 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 in the midst of the shopping, uh, uh, the fancy shopping area in Market Street. A lot of them are gone. It's a part of San Francisco is a ghost town. Things are in a different state. There was so much going on. And in, in, uh, I remember uh, when I was a young person, I got my first job, my first tax-paying job at a Walgreens. You had to be 16 and a half to work there with child labor laws. And I, I applied at age 15, and yet I had the body of an 8-year-old child. And I was the busboy, and I couldn't carry the, 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 you know, clean fast enough the, the, the tables or carry the bus trays. The, the, the dishes were over my head. And I remember we'd shut down the mall. It was in the mall in, uh, called Tanferan Park in San Bruno. And they shut down the mall at 8 o'clock. And I didn't get out of there till like 11. But I didn't quit. And I was so proud. So proud of that. But it looks like Walgreens may be dead and gone. And then in the same city in Oakland, California, I thought it was 6, but I was wrong. This one 7-Eleven store has been robbed has been robbed seven times in nine days. And I saw the, 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 the you know, they had him on the news. There's a family that came over from overseas, the American dream. They saved money. They brought their family members over, and, and, and they, you know, they bought into the franchise of 7-Eleven. And the guy was crying. He says, I am a part of your community. I am, uh, my daughters, my children are afraid of, of, of or do you have to go to work today, Daddy? We don't want you to get shot again. And he says, I want to help people out, but if we can just somehow stop this. And the police, of course, are just overwhelmed. In Oakland, California, they've had five police chiefs in six years. Something has to change, for goodness sakes. And then on the first day of school, there was a lack of teachers, particularly specialty teachers who teach science and, and, and biology, chemistry, or French or, or other languages and so forth. So these specialty teachers, you know, there's just a big lack of. And then on top of that, there's still a massive national health care shortage, in part because these people are just burnt out because of COVID, you know, and still being there and being there and being there. On top of that, there's the, the, the writer strike, which affects, uh, that's a big economy. That's a big producing economy for Southern California. Hundreds of thousands of people are affected by that. And it sounds kind of lame, but the person I thought of, I'm going, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm saying this. Poor Tommy Cruz. Mr. Cruz is the producer of the Mission Impossible series, of course, the actor. And, and he's, he was smart enough to say, okay, we're going to end the series. Let's film both of the movies back to back, which is smart. Saves on production time cost 
the actors are there, everything's all done, boom, boom, boom. And that's how they do a lot of these movies, Hunger Games, uh, Back to the Future 2, uh, Part 2 and Part 3, boom, boom. They just film them all at once, knock them out. So he had COVID for Mission Impossible 7 and, again, had COVID. Uh, they had to shut down. You know, someone got COVID, they have to shut it down. And now the writer's strike. So I almost think, God, if he can make this, that would be a mission impossible for him. On top of that, uh, we have the United Autos Worker May strike uh, September 14th. And that is going to be serious if it happens. Because not only can you not get a good car, a new car, you're gonna the, it's going to stop the flow of parts, which stops production from overseas, getting those parts in. This can be a serious, serious thing. On a side note, and I forgot to say this, and I apologize. Uh, Oppenheimer. You have to see Oppenheimer. It will be nominated Pelzer Dumbest Predicts. All on knowing, all on seeing. Oppenheimer is going to knock it out of the park when it comes to the Oscars. Best director. Best screenplay. Best uh, cinematography. Best actor. Best actress. Best supporting actor. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. I saw the film twice. And I, d I knew Robert was in the film, but I couldn't see him. And yet, oh, I heard a familiar voice. Those eyes. I'm going, that's him. And he plays the bad guy. Admiral Strauss. Who wants to become a cabinet member. And will do anything he can to get attention. He throws Oppenheimer, the father of the atomic bomb. The Manhattan Project. And a man who felt guilty of creating such a device, but he knew he had to. Because another country might, and we would be in trouble. We were in the race against Germany. But when Germany fell, and we found out, nope, they couldn't do it. They couldn't get the formula. They couldn't get it right. Thank God we were so lucky. But this film this is just amazing. The music, the sets, everything about it. It's a three-hour film, and you don't want to miss a second. So if you want and it, what I was amazed at, is I saw people in their 20s and people my age and even older, everybody was seeing it. I think it's, and it's, a, good it's, it's a good piece of history because I've studied the Manhattan Project as a young person because I flew for Strategic Air Command. You know, we had, you know, the, the, the nukes and the codes and all that stuff. A beautiful, beautiful film. But the stress keeps ratcheting up. Not only we have a writer strike, healthcare shortage, robberies in, in, in Oakland, California. There was a high possibility of a UPS strike. This one lady called, and she was so frantic, saying, oh, my God, it's too much. I can't handle this anymore. There might be a UPS strike. I'm going, yes, it might happen. However, I said, there might be a solution to this. I don't know. I can't stand any more of this. And I understood what she said. Because on that same day, I read a report that there was a new COVID variant that's out. It's called EG5, hence Iris. Iris, Iris, E-R-I-S, David. And then this one lady said, I just can't, I can't handle anything. When will things come back to normal, David? I said, what? When will things come back to normal? I remember saying, um, ma'am, this is the new normal. This is it. This is a new normal. What it is, ladies and gentlemen, is we live in a hyperspeed era that anything can happen at any time. Hence, 
the magnitude of the stress. So fast, so furious. And I've given this a lot of thought. And, and, and I did some uh, little research. I think for at least my generation, the most tranquil time we had, I think, as a nation was during the, the last couple years of the Clinton administration. Think about it. We weren't at war with anybody. Somalia was terrible. Uh, we, were, we tried to intervene in Haiti. That didn't work. But overall, we were at peace. We weren't, in, you know, countries weren't being invaded. Thousands of men and women weren't killed, including the, 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 the collateral damage to civilians and their, their villages and their towns. Everything was, was still slow. The Internet was brand new, and the economy was just humming away. And then the next president, they, who was recruited, I mean, President Bush, or Governor Bush in Texas, was recruited. And they basically said, hey, man, ain't nothing on the horizon. The threat board is clear. Just keep doing what we're doing, man. And everything was about financing. Hey, invest into this. Do that. And everything seemed to work for a while. And then, of course, the fit hit the shan, 9-11. 9-11 changed the world. And then a few years later, the, the, the too big to fail, the crash of 2008. A few years after that, vicious politics, vicious campaigns, mud, defecation, fecal matter thrown in both directions. Unbelievable. And then I thought, well, when uh, Mr. Trump becomes president, things will simmer down. Because there's a lot, that's basically the new norm when it comes to campaigning. It's bloody. It's amazing. It's horrific. Well, with Mr. Trump, every day something seemed to happen. Every day, the first thought I had when I turned on the news was, are we at war with anybody? There was always something. And I cannot imagine being one of the staff members at the White House. How do you work with that? How do you swim through that, 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 that tar, for goodness sakes? And then, of course, COVID. With COVID, uh, gas prices, After, or, you know, post-COVID, the gas prices. In Mendocino, city of Mendocino, Northern California, gas was $10 a gallon. And then you have to think about, even after that, uh, chicken went from like $2 a pound to eight to ten dollars plus a pound, a lady showed me a thing saying she paid thirteen dollars a pound for chicken, and she says, "How the heck can I do? How, what am I going to do?" And sometimes I have no answers. None of us have any answers. And on top of it all, on one word that takes our breath away, Maui. As of this broadcast, over a hundred deaths. Some bodies are just burned beyond recognition. I cannot imagine people fleeing a firestorm of this magnitude by jumping into water, trying to flee in the vehicles, and they can't see anything, and some of them didn't make it. It's just, to me, it looks, uh, l when I saw some of the, uh, the, the pictures and the videos, it just reminded me of the tub fire in uh, the, the Santa Rosa area, Northern California, 2017, and how the fire just rolls over you. It rolls over you and sucks things up like a tornado and then dropping debris. 
wherever it could. Un- unbelievable. It looked like a bomb had just gone off. Uh, there's a, excuse me, <coughs> pardon me. There's a, our biggest uh, uh, conventional bomb is, I think, called the Daisy Cutter. It's a 10,000-pound bomb. And, 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 and you kick it out of a, it's, it's a huge bomb, and you, you have a C-130 aircraft. You just kick it out. The loadmaster just basically kicks it out, and it just, it just sucks all the oxygen. It's a firebomb. And we used it in the 1991, the war in the Gulf with Iraq. And it was more of a psychological weapon than it was, you know, a weapon of mass destruction. Because the next day after we dropped the bomb, we dropped leaflets. We're going to do it again. Give up. Walk away. Lay down your weapons. Walk away. It was mainly to, to get the Republican Guard to quit as soon as possible to save their lives and, of course, our lives. And I think we dropped two bombs until they got the message. And just looking, looking at the rem- remnants, it just reminded me of that. It's just beyond, beyond. I just can't imagine. I had uh, a coincidence. Dozens, over a dozen calls to my, my private office and, and, and from uh, mainly ladies, very emotional. They said, okay, I can handle this and I can handle that. And I'm trying to work with this, but the Maui thing just put a lot of people over the edge. People just crying on the phone, sobbing on the phone. And everyone has a story. Uh, One lady says, I just returned from there a week ago. I honeymooned there a couple years ago. I visited my sister who just retired to Maui after working hard as a teacher for 40 years. And even my my youngest brother, I, I call him a saint. He's such a sweet man. He still has that that wonderment of an eight-year-old child. And he told me the story that he, he would go to the park. Uh, what, what is it? It's, it's the, um, I'm trying to think, the Banyan Tree Park, where these trees have been planted over 150 years ago. Unbelievable. And the one thing he said to me, he doesn't talk like this, is every time I go there, David, I feel the energy from the trees. I feel enlightened. And I feel peace at this one place. And I just can't believe how one thing can affect so many people. I just, it's it's words like tragic and horrific and sad. Don't bring it justice. I just don't know. And now it's, 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 it's enough for some people to say, that's it, no more, I'm done. I mean, it's enough to make you just scream in anger. Or some people just, they've told me they just want to hide under the covers. And make the world go away. Hmm. Okay. Now what? Now, let's deal with it. The teachers, the healthcare workers, is always going to be an ebb and flow. The bottom line, the reality is, and maybe we want to hear it, but this is the truth of the truth, it's going to take time to rebuild a certain infrastructure of these specialists. And so all we can do now is do the best that we can. We're just going to have to work through this. There's a new program in California that gets more people involved directly with the schools to help out and to assist. Maybe we can do something like that. The rider strike, it will resolve itself. Thank goodness the UPS strike was averted. But as I told the lady that was frantic about her UPS deliveries, hey, 
there's another option. No, there's not. Yes, there is. DHL, FedEx. How about the U.S. Postal Service? There's always an option, but you have to look for them. When things aren't going your way, you can't just drop and quit. Look for options. The COVID variant. CDC, WHO, says they're going to try to have a specialized booster shot by mid-September, which is pretty fast. Some people say, I don't want any more boosters. I'm sick and tired of them. That's your choice. But at least we have an option. I say, buck up and look for your solutions. Make your own solutions. Be part of the solution. Maui, the reality. It will take years and years and years to rebuild. And it will definitely, it's going to be different. It's going to be different. And it's going to be slow. And for many people, particularly the generations who have lived there, it's going to be painful for them. At the same time, I'm so proud. So much help is on the way. We had hundreds of thousands of people helping on the Katrina. We have Hickam Air Base, which is not even a 10-minute flight from Maui. That's an Air Force base and a civilian uh, uh, destination. We have uh, uh, the, the Navy, which is nearby, and Pearl Harbor. Help is on the way. And it's like anything in life. It's slow, but it's a machine. The Tubbs Fire, we were one of the first engines from the coast. Uh, the official day one, we staged at a place. There were 720 engines. Day two, 200 engines. Day five, over 1,000 fire engines. Unbelievable. It's a machine. It takes time, but help is on the way. What I am so proud of, though, as a country and with other countries, in times of great tragedy, we bind together. We offer hope. Make sense? And here's my hope. I saw so many charred trees you know, right after the Tubbs fire. Weeks later, still smoke on some of these redwood trees. Just a little bit of wisp of smoke, and they were charred. And now, a few years later, they're growing. It's lush. It's beautiful. And I truly believe this. Those beautiful energy-given banyan trees will thrive. And I believe once they start thriving, so many people are going to come back and just absorb that energy, absorb that gift, and take that photo and cherish it till the end of days. You see, to me, everything is all about hope. You struggle, you crawl, you fight, but you don't give up. And you don't give up on yourself. Don't get so overwhelmed. Don't swallow everything that life throws your way. Pick your fights. Pick your battles. Shut things down. Shut them off. Disconnect. Does that make sense? It's always break things down to the smallest achievable thing that you can do. Now, do another. Now, do another. It's like today, being a single parent, getting the kids off to school. What do you do? Well, get them up. Feed them. Make sure they're dressed. Pack their lunch. Drive them to school. Kick them out and say, see ya. And then again and again and again. Now, the truth is, I get overwhelmed. I was, uh, I was, I had an appointment, and the person was running late and running late, and then wasted another 20 of my time saying, here's why I'm 20 minutes late. I'm going, really? Thank you very much. And I got done with that appointment. I came home, and I was just so, ah. 
because I wanted to do the show for you as soon as I could. And I had to just calm down. And I did something to distract me. I signed a book for uh, a person uh, for the book giveaway, Return to the River. Uh, and then I just had a cup of water and said, okay. You know, I tried to write notes for the show, and I tried to have the timing right. Ugh. And sometimes I just don't get it right. But at least I tried. It's like when I was a first on, it's called first on scene as a firefighter. And I was first on scene, a code three call, which means life and death. Code blue, unresponsive, non-breathing. That's when you send in all the forces, helicopter, maybe one or two ambulances, everybody to help out. And I would always somehow fumble my way through it. But that's just life. At least I tried to do something. And the great ones always make it look easy. The great ones are, the, again, the parents. The parents. The kid comes home and he's is, 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 is got a big gash on his face or blood on, dripping from his arms. And he's about to cry. And you're like, oh, this is nothing. Sit down. Come on. Inside you might be screaming, going, oh, my goodness. But you always want to be in control. You always want to have a sense of calm. You always want to have that hope from within that we're going to get through it. And I got to tell you, sometimes when I lose hope, I kind of withdraw myself a little bit from the situation, assess it, what's going right, what's going wrong, and then I try to find it. And when I find it, when I find my hope, I grab it, and then I run, run, run. That's, I, I think, one of the things that's always worked for me. I've always been fortunate enough to have hope at the right time, at the right place. If, if you read, uh, there was a part in uh, the, the book Return to the River in which I lost hope. I just, I just felt like I was in this gigantic black hole and my life was being sucked out of me. I, I, I lost a beautiful wife through a divorce, an unexpected divorce at the time, a relative that committed suicide, packing my beautiful wife's things that I had purchased for her over the years. It would take me three to four hours to pack one little box. Uh, and then moving those boxes, being uh, uh, with the fire department at two separate districts, which I don't know how I did it, driving back and forth and just pushing myself beyond, beyond, packing my own things, trying to find a home when there was nothing available. I really lost it. I lost it. My workouts weren't doing very well. I was kind of muddling through life, which a lot of us do. And then, day by day, bit by bit, I just kind of, all right, all right, step forward, try, attempt, have faith, have hope. And I realized how lucky I was when things happened when they did. And now if you look at the big picture, at my age, the, 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 the grains of sand of your life, just a few years later now, I feel strong on the inside again. And that empowers me to be a better person, which empowers me to give more and to be of service of others more. It really inspires me. That's the, the, the saying that we say at the end of the show. Now it has a meaning to you. You do as much as you can for as long as you can for as many as you can. That's a prayer. 
That's an actual prayer. You keep the faith. You see how this all kind of fits in? It's all about you, your inner faith, your drive, your hope. I was talking to a lady right before I did the show, and I'm trying to help her out with this uh, this, this nomination that she so deserves. And she says, oh, I, I, it might be too much, and oh, I'm so undeserving, there's better people. I said, no, you're the one. Well, I might, I say, stop. I interrupted her. I say, this is not about you. If we can grant you this award, it's about you inspiring other sisters to become involved and to step out of the shadows and into the light and help others in dire, dire need. Just like being a parent, there's no award. You might get a coffee cup or a T-shirt on Father's Day or Mother's Day, but it is about leadership. It is about providing a better life for generations to come. Hope can be fleeting. Hope can be the blanket that you wrap around your soul, and it warms you, it embraces you, and it gives you the courage to take another step. The one thing, and people are still baffled, how come you were able to do this, and how come you were able to do that? Oh, da-da-da, da-da-da, da-da-da. You must be smart. You must walk on water. I say, hell no. I'm the smartest idiot you'll ever meet. But if I succeeded in something, I fell a thousand times. And I had people who've inspired me. I'll never forget. I thought my mother was going to kill me. I lived in the basement for many years, horribly abused, isolated. I was less than zero. I was an it. I was a non-human entity. I was the slave. Mr. Ziegler, my fifth grade teacher, on a Friday, hours before it's going to be hell weekend for me, as always, he patted me on the shoulder and says, uh, you're doing a good job. Keep up the good work. <gasps> Man, I exist. I'm real. I matter. I interviewed Mr. Ziegler about 20 years after that for the book A Child Called It, which was dedicated to him and to other teachers that physically rescued me. I said, sir, uh, one time you said something nice to me, patted me on the back. He kind of just shrugged his shoulders. says, uh, I don't remember. And I swear to God, I looked right in his eyes, dead into his eyes. I said, sir, I do. And that propelled me. That just got me through. And sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, there is nothing left. I say, just breathe. Just breathe. Put more oxygen. Put pure oxygen into your body. Relax those muscle fibers. Slow down your heart rate. Just breathe. If you're having a bad day, guess what? It's only a bad day. Utilize it. Make it work for you. Don't give up on yourself. You see, it to me, it all fits in. If you have faith in nothing, if you lose faith in yourself, you've lost your own world. And hence, you can lose others around you. Because I really believe we're going to need strong people on the helm. Strong leadership. We're going to have to make hard decisions. We're just in a different part of life right now. So I always say, you know, during times of any and all storms, keep your hand on the wheel. You don't let go. 
You might slip. You might fall. You might lose that grip. It doesn't. Here's the thing about grips. You don't have to grip with 1,000 pounds per square inch. It's like holding a baby's hand. Just enough so you don't run off, but in a loving, graceful way. Just use and find your grip in life, the amount of hope that you can radiate to others. I just don't want you to give up on you. Does that make sense? Don't get so overwhelmed. Don't get so overwhelmed on things that you have no control over. If anything, make your own world at peace. I say this all the time. I try to do five things a day for myself. I love working out at the gym. I can't lift a fraction of what I used to, but I change it up a little bit. I'll use less weights but more reps, and I still get that nice pump. You know, I have to work more on cardio because I got a midsection now, which I'm not proud of. But this makes me feel better when I get out with the sweat. But I know I gave it my best, and I want to give it my best and more. I might have a cup of coffee on the deck. I try not to have too much coffee. You don't want me on too much caffeine in America. Trust me. But I'll sit in the deck, even though the coffee is cold, and I watch the squirrels and the butterflies and the blue jays, and it's my own little world. You see what I'm saying? Make your own little world. Fortify yourself. Have boundaries. Have barriers. Have time for you. Because we, we say this all the time in the fire department. The world is always going to be on fire. So what do you do when you arrive on scene? You're cool. You're calm. And you already have some type of a battle plan. You see? It's amazing. Uh, we, all, we have a saying, act bored. When you've got a super massive fire, a code three, act bored. Calm down. You're going to see the best people on their absolutely worst days, so you have to give them hope. You never say, oh, my God, oh, my goodness, we got to get out of here. You say, no, we've got this, and you take a step. I teach by, you should teach the new firefighters. You know, it's a thousand steps to this, but break it down into small accessible bites. Three to five seconds. Five to eight seconds. Grab this tool. Put on your breathing apparatus. Check your radio. Take one step. You have a partner with you. Come up with a plan. Communicate the plan. And you just want, it's a ballet. Good firefighters make it look easy. It's not Keystone Cops. It's a ballet. They practice and practice and practice thousands of times. Just like getting the kids out of bed. Packing their lunch. Maybe I make two lunches in advance so I don't have to get up so early in the morning. You just modify your plan as you go along, but you keep moving forward. To me, the key to all happiness is you. We all look for happiness in, 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 in different ways, particularly when you're young and stupid. I got to get the car. I got to get the girl. I got to get the job. I got to make so much money. I have to have these things around me. I have to have flash. I want the house. I want the girl. I want the boy. I want the baby. I want, I want, I want. And it's amazing as you grow older, your happiness is right in front of you. Think about it. People take vacations and spend thousands of dollars on vacations, and they come back with photos of them by the tree, by the waterfall, sunrise, sunset, sitting at Banyan Park. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that they hold on to forever. 
And sometimes when you have nothing, you just kind of go back into your heart and remember those good things that inspired you to propel you to move forward. Does that make sense? When you stay positive, you pass it on to others. Three to five times a day, I always say hello to somebody. I go shopping at the local grocery store. I know all the checkout girls. I know the stock boys. I know the, the everybody by first name basis. How are you? How are your family? Are you doing good today? And I'll do an off-color joke just to make them laugh, to snap them out of it. And I walk away feeling I did something. I always try to give. The more I give of myself, the better I feel. And it provides me with more hope. Keep the faith onto yourself. You never know what the tide is going to bring in the next day. And always know that you are worthy, that you are unique. And if you have a crisis in your life or had a crisis in your life, remember that you survived for a reason and you survived to be happy. And maybe you survived to be a leader, a leader to your children, your community, your church, and most importantly, your higher power and yourself lead by example. So with that, we're going to end the show a little bit differently today. I always want to thank you know, the Pat McFinney group for allowing us to do his music. Uh, I want to thank everybody on, on, on my staff. The f this is my second recording of the show. <laughs> Remember I told you I'm the dumbest idiot or the smartest idiot you'll ever meet. I recorded the show and I found out, oh, I didn't press this one button. And I had to redo the whole show for you. So <laughs> I'm kind of in for a penny, in for a pound. And I am grateful for you to listen to the show. Our thoughts and prayers with our brothers and sisters on Maui. And, to, of course, to all the first responders, all of those folks who have financially donated, everybody's involved. Everybody's involved. To our brothers and sisters in Maui, I say aloha. So, until next time, my friends, good day, good luck, and God bless.